Hey everyone, and welcome back to our solo playthrough of Phandelverin Below the Shattered Obelisk. Previously for our valiant band of heroes, in the midst of the goblin hideout, the party faced off against Clark and his minions, and after a brief scuffle, the party ended up victorious. Alden's incantation allowed him to converse with a captive goblin. The creature reluctantly revealed that Sildar was taken to an eating cave in the west, while Gundren was taken to Kragmaw Castle and mentioned the spider as their benefactor. The party stealthily approached the goblin den, where they found Sildar bound and weakened, guarded by goblins and bosses. With coordinated precision, they launched the surprise attack, dispatching a number of goblins. Finn was knocked unconscious during the bout. She was then healed by Elena and a healing potion, which was found by Gareth. After securing the area, Alden freed Sildar, who shared a vital information about Gundren, the Rockseeker Brothers, and Kragmaw Castle. Sildar also mentioned a mysterious goblin with an unnatural appearance. He then proposed a reward of 50 gold pieces each for safely escorting him to Phandalin, which the party accepted. United in purpose, they prepared to face the challenges ahead on their journey. The party is back in their wagon, accompanied by Sildar, headed toward Phandalin. Dappled sunlight pierces through the dense canopy, illuminating patches of moss-covered earth and dew-kissed ferns. The symphony of woodland creatures fills the air, their calls and chirrups harmonizing nature's chorus. Birds flit from branch to branch, their vibrant plumage painting flashes of color against the verdant backdrop. Squirrels dart playfully through the underbrush, their bushy tails flicking with ceaseless energy. Gareth's gaze scans the surroundings, marveling at the untamed beauty. The rich scent of earth and foliage fills the air, a heady fragrance that speaks of life in its purest form. Irk's words echo in Gareth's mind painting a vivid image of Kragmaw Castle. Twenty miles to the northeast, nestled amidst the ancient trees, it stands as a formidable bastion of the goblinoid forces. Gareth envisions the castle, its stone walls weathered by centuries of existence, rising from the forest floor like a sentinel of goblin might. He imagines the guards patrolling its ramparts, their eyes sharp and watchful, ever vigilant for intruders. Bugbears, towering and fearsome, prowl the castle's corridors, their presence a testament to the strength of the Kragmaw tribe. Gareth can almost hear the guttural growls and grunts that resonate within those stone walls. Yet Urk has also spoken of other surprises. Gareth's mind wanders to what hidden perils might await them within the castle's confines. Traps cunningly concealed, secret passages leading to unknown chambers, and perhaps even creatures of a more supernatural nature lurking in the shadows. Gareth's fingers idly brush against the hilt of his sword, a silent reassurance in the face of the unknown. He recalls meeting Gundren a few days ago, and hopes that he is still alive. As he continues, flanked by his steadfast companions and Sildar, Gareth's gaze remains fixed on the path ahead, determination burning in his eyes. Gareth will ensure they travel to Kragmaw Castle and rescue or avenge Gundren, but first, what he hopes is a brief stop in Phandalin. As the sun is beginning to set, the rutted track emerges from a wooded hillside, and the party catches their first glimpse of Phandalin. The town consists of 40 or 50 simple log buildings, some built on old fieldstone foundations. More old ruins, crumbling stone walls covered in ivy and briars, surround the newer houses and shops, showing how this must have been a much larger town in centuries past. Most of the newer buildings are set on the sides of the cart track, which widens into a muddy main street as it climbs toward a ruined manor house on a hillside at the east side of town. As they approach, they see children playing on the town green and townsfolk tending to chores or running errands at the shops in town. Many people look up and smile as they approach, but all return to their business as the party goes by. Sildur speaks up from the back of his horse. Thanks again for saving me. I'm headed to the Stonehill Inn to get a room for my stay here in town. I'd suggest you do the same after you visit Elmina at Barthens. Ask her about the red brands. They were causing trouble the last time I was here. After all that's happened, I'll probably call it a night early to rest up. If I don't see you this evening, you can find me at the Townmaster's Hall. I owe you some coin. And with that, Sildar rides off towards the center of town. As the party approaches Barthen's provisions, the wooded facade of the trading post comes into view, its sign swinging gently in the breeze. The scent of sawdust mingles with the earthy aroma of the surrounding woods, creating an inviting atmosphere. Elmina Barthen, the shop's proprietor, stands just outside the entrance, her gaze sweeping over the approaching party. She's a young woman with warm hazel eyes and a kindly smile that reaches her eyes. Her auburn hair is pulled back in a practical one, and she wears a simple apron over her clothes, evidence of a day spent 
went tending to her business. Welcome to Barthon's Provisions, Elmina greets them, her voice carrying the genuine warmth of a seasoned host. You must be the ones Gundren sent. I'm Elmina Barthon. It's a pleasure to meet you all. Gareth steps forward, offering a polite nod. It's a pleasure to meet you as well, Elmina. We have Gundren's delivery as promised. Elmina's eyes light up with gratitude as she takes in the sight of the wagon laden with supplies. Oh, thank you. Gundren's a dear friend, and I was starting to worry. He spoke so eagerly of the mine, you know. I do hope he's all right. Alden steps in. We regret to inform you that Gundren was waylaid by goblins, but we are doing all we can to rescue him. Elmina's face pales, concern etched across her features. Oh my, that's dreadful news. Please do everything you can to bring him back safely. He's a good soul and has been a great friend to Fandolin. Helena, sensitive to Elmina's distress, chimes in with empathy. We'll do everything in our power, I promise you. We're on our way to investigate further. Elmina's eyes shimmer with gratitude. Thank you truly. As the conversation transitions, Gareth inquires about the town's current state. Elmina, we've heard rumors of troubles with the Red Brands. Could you tell us more about what's been happening? Elmina's expression turns somber, her gaze shifting to the ground for a moment. Yes, I'm afraid it's true. Those Red Brands have been causing quite a stir. They've been demanding protection money from local businesses, including mine, and they show no respect for the Townmaster's authority. It's been challenging, to say the least. I've heard they frequent the Sleeping Giant Tap House. Finn, thinking about her future business prospects, leans in with a determined glint in her eye. We look into it. No one should have to to endure such harassment. Elmina's eyes brighten with hope. That would mean a great deal to everyone here. Thank you. As the exchange concludes, the party begins to unload the supplies from the wagon. Elmina, Ander, and Thistle, the clerks, join in to hasten the process. Once the task is complete, Elmina turns back to the party, her gratitude evident. Thank you all again. You've done a great service today. She hands ten gold pieces over to Gundren. With a nod of appreciation, the party bids farewell to Elmina, and Barthon's provisions headed towards the Stonehill Inn. As the party steps through the heavy wooden door of the Stonehill Inn, they are met with the comforting warmth of a roaring hearth and the lively hum of conversation. The inn exudes an inviting atmosphere, its field stone walls giving the space a rustic charm. Rough-hewn timbers support the structure, giving it a sturdy, reliable feel. Locals gather at the sturdy wooden tables, nursing mugs of ale and cider, their curious gazes turning towards the newcomers. Behind the bar, a friendly dwarf with a wide smile and twinkling eyes is hard at work, expertly serving drinks and striking up conversation with patrons. Her name, as you come to learn, is Elsa. Welcome, welcome, she greets you with a hearty wave. What can I get you all today? Ale? Cider? Or perhaps something a bit stronger? Gareth, with a nod of appreciation, steps forward. Forward. Ale, please, and a warm meal for my companions and me if you have it. Elsa nods with a grin. Coming right up. Take a seat wherever you like, and I'll bring it over to you. As the party settles in, their attention turns to the other patrons in the common room. They decide to strike up conversations with a few of them to gather more information. Approaching a gnome weaver named Frida, Finn strikes up a conversation. Uh, good evening. Mind if we join you? Frida looks up from her work, her eyes twinkling with interest. Not at all. Please have a seat. What brings you all to Fandolin? Finn smiles warmly. We're just passing through, but we've heard there's been some trouble with a group called the Redbrands. You don't happen to know anything about them, do you? Frida eyes, her expression turning somber. Ugh, those ruffians. They've been causing a lot of trouble in town, bullying businesses and causing unrest. The only ones they seem to leave alone are the folks at the Fandolin Miners Exchange, out of fear of Halia Thornton, who runs it. As the evening progresses, the party continues to gather information, learning more about the troubles plaguing Fandolin. They hear about a former adventurer named Darren Edermath, there are marauders attacking caravans to the east on Tribor Trail, a secret tunnel, and strange goblins in the woods, and that Thel Dandrar stood up to the Red Brands about a ten day ago, and they murdered him. His wife and children have since gone missing. Toblin Stonehill, the innkeeper, approaches the party with a friendly smile and keys for their rooms. I hope you find everything to your liking. If there's anything else you need, please don't hesitate to ask. The party expresses their gratitude, settling into a sense of camaraderie in the cozy inn. The warmth of the hearth and the hearty food and shared purpose of their mission creates a sense of belonging, if only for this fleeting moment in time. Eventually, they each find their way to bed for the evening. Taking their first long rest, the party advances to level 2. As Alden delves deeper into the mysteries of the Abjuration School, he finds the process of inscribing Abjuration spells into his spellbook has become more intuitive and efficient 
efficient. The once arduous task now seems to flow naturally. With the gold and time required halved, it's as if the arcane sigils and symbols dance into place with his touch. In addition, a newfound ability allows him to conjure a protective ward. When he casts an abjuration spell of first level or higher, a shimmering barrier materializes around him. This magical ward, with a maximum of 7 hit points, stands vigilant against harm. It takes the brunt of damage, shielding Alden until it reaches its limit, and with each subsequent abjuration spell cast, the ward rejuvenates its energy replenished by the very magic it defends against. Elena's divine connection deepens, allowing her to channel her deity's power with even greater effectiveness. With a solemn prayer and the presentation of her holy symbol, she invokes the channel divinity preserve life. A radiant energy emanates from her, suffusing those in her presence with vitality. In an instant, up to 10 hit points are restored, a soothing balm to the wounded. Elena gains the ability to turn undead, a sacred act that allows her to censure the undead with her unwavering faith. Undead creatures that bear witness to her divine presence must make a wisdom saving throw. Those who fail are turned, their malevolent essence repelled. They are compelled to flee. Finn's agility and cunning are honed to a razor's edge. With a dancer's grace, she can now nimbly take a bonus action on each of her turns to dash, disengage, or hide. This newfound agility allows her to move through the chaos of battle with unmatched finesse. She darts and weaves, avoiding danger and positioning herself precisely where she needs to be. Garrus' combat prowess takes a quantum leap forward with a focused intensity. He gains the ability known as Action Surge. Once per short rest, he can tap into a wellspring of energy, allowing him to take an additional action on his turn. In that moment, he moves with unparalleled speed and precision, striking and defending with a level of mastery that seems almost superhuman. The party gets much-needed sleep and awakens the next morning, each person headed off on their own with their own goals and ambitions in mind. As the morning sun ascends, casting dappled patterns of light and shadow across the quaint town of Phandalin, Elena Silverleaf approaches the small shrine dedicated to Timora. The stones weathered and ancient emanates a sense of history and reverence. Vines, like nature's embrace, weave between the stones, adding a touch of vitality to the sacred place. Standing at the heart of the shrine beneath an arch canopy is Sister Garielle. Her presence exudes a quiet devotion. Her fair, elven features hold an air of determination tinged with concern. She turns her eyes brightened as she spots Elena, a welcoming smile gracing her lips. Elena Silverleaf, it warms my heart to see you here. She greets her voice like a soft melody that blends seamlessly with the morning bird song. Welcome to the Shrine of Luck. Timora's blessings be upon you. Elena returns the warm smile, her eyes reflecting the genuine kindness in Sister Garielle's gaze. Sister Garielle, the honor is mine, she replies, her voice carrying a gentle undertone. Your message spoke of shared interests, and I'm eager to explore the wisdom of Saluna alongside you and the townspeople of Phandalin. Sister Garielle's gaze softens with gratitude. Your willingness to partake in this exchange of faith is a true blessing. To have a kindred spirit join us on this pursuit is a gift beyond measure. The people of Phandalin are truly blessed to have you here as their guide. She gestures to a pair of weathered benches beneath the canopy. Shall we sit? As they settle onto the benches, enveloped in the tranquil aura of the shrine, the conversation flows like a gentle stream. They speak of the moon's phases, of Saluna's influence on tides and dreams, and the goddess's unwavering dedication to balance and protection. Under the watchful gaze of Timora's shrine, Sister Gariel speaks of the teachings of Timora and how Timora has blessed her life. After their discussion, Sister Gariel leans in, her expressions now touched with a hint of apprehension. Elena, I must share with you a task that calls for a brave, compassionate soul. She begins, her voice carrying a weight of earnestness. I've been tasked by the Harpers to approach a banshee, Agatha, and seek her knowledge about a spellbook. Unfortunately, my attempt ended poorly, and I barely escaped her wrath. Helena listens attentively, sensing the gravity of the situation. Sister Gariel continues, Agatha spoke of her cherished possessions in life, particularly a jeweled silver comb. It is my belief that offering her this comb may win her favor and persuade her to share what she knows about the spellbook's location. I entrust you with this mission, Elena. In return, I offer three potions of healing as a token of gratitude for your efforts. Elena considers the request 
her gaze steady and resolute. The path of Saluna teaches us compassion and courage. I shall do my utmost to uphold those virtues in this endeavor. I must speak with my companions before I accept. I believe I will need their aid if I am to persuade Agatha to provide the location of the spellbook. Sister Gariel provides a solemn nod, sealing their pact in faith and duty. She provides the location of Agatha and expresses her thanks once again to Elena. The sun casts its warm glow over Fandolin, painting this quaint town in hues of gold and green. As Alden approaches the Edermath orchard, the scent of blooming apple blossoms mingles with earthy undertones of freshly turned soil. Darren Edermath, a figure of graceful age, stands amidst the burgeoning orchard, tending to the resurgence of life within the once neglected grove. His drow heritage manifests in his dark weathered skin, a testament to the centuries he has witnessed. His keen eyes, like twin beacons of wisdom, observe the world with a knowing gaze. Upon spotting Alden, a genuine smile illuminates his features, revealing the warmth that lies within. Alden, it's a pleasure to see you, my friend, Darren greets, his voice carrying the weight of years spent in pursuit of justice. Your family's cottage has weathered the seasons well, I trust? Alden returns the warm smile, a hint of nostalgia touching his eyes. <laughs> Indeed, Darren, the cottage still stands strong, a testament to the enduring spirit of this place, he replies, his voice a steady current of respect. I've come to ensure all is as it should be. Darren nods a silent understanding, passing between them. Your family has always held a special place in Vandalin's heart, Alden. With a gesture, he invites Alden to join him on a pair of weathered stools beneath the arching branches. Now, tell me, what brings you to our humble orchard today? Alden's gaze briefly flickers to the cottage, a haven of cherished memories. I'm here to pay my respects to the cottage. How's it fared? Darren's expression shifts, the line etched in his face hinting at the gravity of his thought. Unfortunately, the shadow of the red bands looms over Fandolin. They've taken root like weeds in fertile soil. They dampen the feel of Fandolin, and I have seen them lurking about your family's cabin, he admits, his tone laced with concern. The leader, known as Glassstaff, must be confronted. The sleeping giant Tap House is their haunt, but their lair lies beneath the Tresendor Manor at the town's edge. Alden absorbs the information, his resolve firming. It's time to bring light to these darkened halls, he declares, his voice unwavering. Glassstaff and his ilk shall face justice. Darren's eyes gleam with approval a silent acknowledgement of Alden's dedication to the cause. Fandolin is fortunate to have you, Alden. Be careful, and may your actions be guided by the virtues that define you. Once you've dealt with the Red Bands, come talk to me. I've got another task I need help with. As they part ways, Alden makes his way to the family cottage, a sense of purpose infusing each step. The cottage stands, a bastion of familial history, nestled amidst the boughs of the orchard. With a mixture of nostalgia and determination, Alden ensures that all is as it should be, reaffirming his connection to the roots that bind him to this land. As Gareth approaches the Townmaster's Hall, the morning sun casts a warm golden hue across the cobblestones, painting the scene with an air of hope. Sildar Hallwinter stands just outside the building, his presence commanding yet approachable. His gaze is focused on a parchment in his hand, and he looks up at as Gareth draws near. Gareth, good to see you. Sildar greets him with a firm handshake. Seems there's pressing matter we should discuss inside. They step into the hall, its interior a blend of rustic charm and modest functionality. The soft echo of their footsteps reverberates against the wooden beams, a testament to the building's steadfast endurance. Sildar clears his throat, his voice tinged with concern. Red bands, Gareth. They've taken root in Fandolin, causing no end of trouble. Harbin, the Townmaster has been, well, hesitant dealing with them. Gareth's expression darkens, a simmering determination rising within him. Then it's time we address the issue head on. Fandolin deserves better than to live in fear of such thugs. As they approach Harbin Wester, the Townmaster looks up from his desk, his genial countenance a stark contrast to the weight of the situation. Sildar, how can I help you today? He inquires, unaware of the storm gathering in Gareth's eyes. Gareth meets Harbin's gaze squarely. We've heard troubling reports about the Red Brands. It's time to put an end to their reign of terror, Harbin. The town deserves better. Harbin falters, his cheerfulness replaced by a palpable unease. I understand your concerns, but must understand they're, they're just a mercenary guild, nothing more. He stammers, his eyes darting away from Gareth's unwavering stare. Sildar steps forward, his presence a pillar of unwavering resolve. Harbin, we can't afford to underestimate the threats they pose. Vandalin's prosperity hangs in the balance. It's time to act. 
Harbin's gaze shifts between Sildar and Gareth, the gravity of the situation settling heavily upon him. <sighs> You're right, both of you. Well, we, I, I suppose we must do something. As Gareth and Sildar stand within the Townmaster's Hall, the weight of their conversation about the Red Brand still lingering, Sildar's gaze takes on a more somber note. He places a hand on Gareth's shoulder, a gesture of camaraderie mixed with concern. There's one more matter, Gareth. It concerns Yarnal Albrecht, a fellow member of the Lord's Alliance. Sildar begins, his voice taking on a serious tone. He disappeared while exploring Tresendor Manor some months ago. I'm afraid his presence here might be linked to the Red Brands. Gareth's brows knit in concern. Yarnal? You suspect he's connected to him? Sildar nods gravely. He may be a prisoner of theirs, so we must find him to know for sure. A steely resolve hardens in Gareth's eyes. Then we'll go take a look. Fandolin must be free of Redbrand's tyranny, and the manor may just be the place to start. And with that, Gareth leaves the hall, determined to face the challenges ahead and find Yarno and put a stop to the Redbrands. As Finn approaches Fandolin's minor exchange, she's met with the sounds of bustling activity. Miners with dirt-streaked clothes and hopeful expressions move in and out. Their, their finds clinking in sacks are carefully wrapped in cloth. The scent of earth and metal hangs in the air, mingling with the lingering traces of ink and parchment. Inside the exchange is a hive of industry. Tables are strewn with scales, parchment, and quills, while a steady flow of miners queue up for their finds to be appraised. At the heart of this organized chaos stands a woman, sharp-eyed and business-like, clearly in command of the operation. Approaching her, Finn can see that she's no stranger to the rough and tumble of mining life. Her gaze is direct, her movements purposeful. As Finn approaches, the woman looks up from her ledger, her eyes keenly appraising her. Welcome to Fandolin's Miner's Exchange. You're new here, aren't you? She asks, her voice brisk yet not unkind. Finn nods, a hint of uncertainty in her expression. That's right, I'm Finn. I've been thinking about starting a business in Fandolin, but, well, the red brands have made things a bit complicated, haven't they? Halya leans forward, her fingers steepled thoughtfully. Complicated indeed. Those ruffians have certainly made their presence felt. They've been a thorn in the side of anyone trying to make an honest living here. Starting a business in such times is no small feat. Finn's shoulders sag slightly. Disappointment clear in her eyes. Is there any way to navigate them? Any advice you might have? Halia's lips curve into a wry smile. Navigate? Yes, it's possible, but it takes a certain finesse. You see, Finn, sometimes it's not about confronting them head-on, but rather finding a way to work around them. And should you find yourself in need of a capable ally, you might find one in me for the right price. The other option would, of course, be to take out their leader, Glassstaff. I'm offering 100 gold pieces to anyone who can bring him to me along with any correspondence that can be found in his quarters. Her words are measured, carrying an unspoken weight of meaning. Finn understands that beneath her business-like exterior, Halia Thornton is a woman with her own agendas, and aligning one oneself with her could have both advantages and risks. Where can Glassstaff be found? Finn asks with an air of caution. He hasn't been seen in person, but rumor has it he's staying under the ruins of Tresendor Manor on the east end of town, replies Halia. Finn thanks Halia for her time and information before heading back to the Stone Hill Inn. On her journey, she realizes that her dreams of running a successful business here may be more difficult than she anticipated. A hundred gold pieces would be a good boost to jumpstart her business, though. As the day wears on, the sun casting a warm golden hues across Vandal, and the party reconvenes at the Stone Hill Inn. The scent of freshly baked bread and stewing meats mingles with the comfort warmth emanating from the inn's hearth. Inside, the common room is alive with a hum of conversation, locals and travelers alike sharing tales and laughter over their meals. Filling the air with a cozy camaraderie, the party members find a large, sturdy oak table towards the center of the room, bathed in the soft glow of the inn's ample windows. Elena is the first to arrive, her elven grace and silver hair catching the light as she steps inside. Finn follows soon after, her agile frame navigating the room with ease. Alden, his demeanor scholarly, joins them, followed by Gareth, whose presence commands attention. With a sense of purpose, they gather around the table, their eyes meeting in silent understanding. There's a moment of shared anticipation, a sense that they've all unearthed something crucial in their pursuits. So, what did everyone find out? Ben asks. 
her voice low but filled with conviction. Gareth is the first to speak up. I just spoke with Sildur. These red brands are causing all kinds of mayhem here in Phandalin and need to be stopped. Alden unrolls a worn parchment. It's funny you mention that as I've made a few discoveries about the red brands. They seem to have a base under Tresender Manor to the east. That's where we'll find Glassstaff, but it might be worth stopping in at the Sleeping Giant to see if we can't find out more information. The red brands are rumored to frequent that establishment. Gareth's eyes gleam with determination. Good. It's time we put an end to their tyranny. Can't allow this to persist any longer. Alina nods, her expression solemn. Agreed. Once we have dealt with the red brands, Sister Gariel has a task for me that I could use your help with. There's a banshee named Agatha who has information Sister Gariel is looking for. Alden raises an eyebrow, intrigued. A banshee? That sounds like a formidable challenge, but as you mentioned, we must deal with the red brands first. Their conversation is punctuated by the arrival of a serving girl, her apron lightly dusted with flour, ready to take their orders. As the party members place their requests, the smell of hearty fare only intensifying their resolve. As they wait for their meals, Finn's eyes narrow in thought. And what of Kragma Castle and Gundren? Kara speaks up. I'd like to head there as soon as we can, but it's a decent trick, and it seems like we could do the town some good here first. Gundren's next on my priorities, though. I hope he's doing alright. The voices rise and fall in a symphony of strategy and determination, each member contributing their piece to the puzzle. The inn's atmosphere seems to pulsate with their shared sense of purpose. After a hearty meal, they rise from their seats ready to face the red brands. The tavern's patrons continue their conversations, unaware of the gravity and the discussion that took place at the unassuming oak table. With a final glance at one another, they step out into the daylight, the echoes of their shared purpose driving them forward toward the sleeping giant taproom. And that is where we leave our group of adventurers. How do you think the party will handle the red brands? Do you think they'll be able to find Yarna? Let me know in the comments below. Thanks a ton for watching. Special thanks goes out to my patrons. You're all amazing. We'll catch you in the next one.